Good morning. My name is Lori, and I'm one of the pastors here. And um, we're so glad that you came here today. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Gracious God, we thank you so much for um, just for your presence, for your love for us, and just that you want to be with us. And Lord, I pray that you would just open up our hearts our eyes and our ears to hear what you have to share with us. And I pray that you would just help me to get out of the way. And um, yeah, may we just be with you this morning. In your son's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay, today is the last day of our Missing the Point series. Woohoo! I feel like it's been a long one. Uh, we've been going through Luke 11, and we've been talking about Jesus and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, you know, they're that group of people who made it their job to uphold God's laws. Um, the purity laws were a major symbol of their Jewish identity. It was very important. It was a boundary marker for who was in and who was out. And, um, well, Jesus, he, he's Jewish, and he was gaining a lot of popularity at this time. But his words and his actions... They really weren't, like, lining up. They were really kind of questionable when you compare them to the purity system that was in, in place. And so the Pharisees invited Jesus over for dinner. <clears throat> they wanted to share a meal because that was a perfect place to test someone on their purity skills. And so Jesus walks in, and he just goes straight to the table, which, you know, is a no-no. And, you know, he just, you know, I mean, for us, it's a no-no because we're like, oh, my gosh, he didn't wash his hands before he eats. It's so unsanitary. But it was more than that. Like, for the Jewish people to go to, you know, clean hands was like a sign, a symbol of your deep appreciation for the purity system. It'd be like, you know, someone who fasts all the time. You're like, oh, my gosh, they're holy. Well, people with clean hands would be like, oh, he's like holy. Well, Jesus, you know, this popular Jewish prophet comes in, and he just goes straight to the table, and they're like, what is he doing? And so one of the Pharisees, they call him out. They're like, um, dude, dude, you did not wash your hands. And Jesus is like, what? You are calling me out on washing my hands? And then, you know, for the past five weeks, right, we've been talking about bam, 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 bam. Woe to you, woe to you. And so if we were a Pharisees and we went to the dinner late, we got there a little late, you don't want to be fashionably late, and we walk in and we hear Jesus going off on these Pharisees, we would be like this gif. <laughs> That would be us. We'd be like, oh, let's get out of here. Because the Pharisees believed, right, that Jesus was missing the point. And Jesus believed that the Pharisees were missing the point. And so it's kind of like my, this thing, this conversation that Paul and I have at home. You see, for many Christians, swearing is a boundary marker, Especially pastors, like, who are pure, like, they shouldn't uh, swear, okay? But, you know, like, I want to be a good preacher, so I watch a lot of those Netflix comedy <laughs> specials, and, you know, sometimes they swear a lot. Some, sometimes they swear a lot. Okay, they swear a lot. <laughs> and so, in the privacy of my own home, I try to be funny. I want to be, like, a comedian, and I, like, may throw out a few bombs here and there, or like when I'm watching basketball, that's when it comes up the most, which has nothing to do with the Netflix comedy shows. But anyway, so sometimes I will swear. 
And then Paul will be like, um, nice, Pastor Lori. <laughs> and then he'll warn me, like, every time, like, you know, one day you are going to be up there speaking, and it is going to come out. And I'm like, whatever. Well, a funny thing happened a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I was doing a wedding. And um, so the, the couple wanted to do the sand ceremony thing with these thin light glasses. And it was outside. And the, the wedding coordinator couldn't put the sand glasses on the table. So it was my job to, like, uh, during the ceremony, worst ever, because I was officiating. So during the ceremony, I had to go get the glasses, you know, the glass of sands and put them on the table. So I'm like explaining, oh, this is the sand ceremony. It's so beautiful. And then I'm like, luckily, I handed the mic over to the best man. And I walk over and I'm getting the glasses out, but it's in like the shipping tube and it's really hard to open. (laughs) So I get one open and then I get two open and the third one is like stuck. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm panicking. I'm like, this is probably taking longer than mine. And I open it up and I see the bottom of the glass. And I'm like, oh, beep. (laughs) And then I'll. So I just, I don't think anybody heard me because literally my, but the video guy heard me. So I told him, please bleep that out. And <laughs> that's going to be on the wedding video. So the point of the story is not, it's okay to swear. Please people, if you get that, you're missing the point. <laughs> the point is that there are certain markers, right? Pastors should not swear. There are certain markers that, that the, the Pharisees, counted as like, you know what, you're either in or you're out, right? There's boundary markers. And they were like, Jesus is not following those boundary markers. And they totally think that Jesus is doing it wrong, that he's missing the point. And Jesus is telling them, no, you guys are missing the point. And so this is the last woe that we have. And it's in Luke um, 11, 52 through 54. So he's, he says, Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have entered, you yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who are entering. So what does Jesus mean by the keys of knowledge? So if you look in the Old and the New Testament, the keys symbolize authority and power. So the nature of that power and authority depends on what the context is. So like in Isaiah 12, 22, it talks about the key of the house of David. And so that's the authority and the power of the steward that's taking care of King David's house. Or in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus says he'll give Peter the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Which means that, you know, through Peter's faithful proclamation of the gospel, that people will be, you know, Peter will open the door to the people and they'll experience, you know, God's kingdom here on earth. And so what Jesus is saying to the experts and the Pharisees, he's like, you know what? You have this power and authority that you were given. Like, you got to study the law. And, and it was supposed to be able to help people to see who God is and his love and his kingdom. But you guys missed the point. Uh, uh, just to kind of review, right? They were so concerned with ritual purity that they ignored the need for integrity. They were so concerned with tithing that they ignored the matters of the heart. They were so concerned with their reputation and public recognition and love for themselves that they neglected the love of God. And in their striving to maintain purity, they made themselves impure. And in their concern for enabling faithfulness to God, they have placed burdens on people, creating the opposite effect. 
And so instead of opening the doors for the people to come and experience God's love and his kingdom, they like shut the doors, locked it, and they locked themselves out, and they locked everybody else out too. And so how did they respond? Luke eleven fifty three through 54 tells us that when Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. He was like so angry, but it wasn't because of like judgment or anything. He was like so like passionate because he loves them. And he wants them to experience his love. And he wants them to experience God's kingdom and help others experience God's kingdom. And, you know, have you ever been like that with your children? You're just, like, you just yell at them, not because you want to beat them down, but because you want them to see what they're missing out on. And what Jesus is doing is he's redefining purity. The old way, the purity system, it created boundaries that kept people separated from one another. But this new system of purity is pointing, you know, it's pointing to a new way that overcomes all barriers. And this new way takes care of the impurities of our heart. Because that's where the real uncleanness comes from. That's where it starts. The heart is the source of our words and our actions. And the heart is what makes us unclean, not our hands. And so Jesus is amazing. He used his power and his authority to become weak and vulnerable. He chose to live in our broken world and, in, and engage in our pain and suffering with us. He became weak and vulnerable and died on the cross. And it's his, you know, the, his life and his death, and then the, we see the power of his resurrection. And that's what gives us our hope. And that's where we know that we're going to have life, that we're going to experience restoration and healing, and where we can have freedom and peace and joy from the inside out. And that's what Westlake calls experiencing heaven together. And so Jesus is concerned with the heart of a person, the heart of a person. So our race, our ailment, our disability, our gender, our gender expression, our sexual orientation, our socioeconomic status, that does not matter. Like if we look from Luke, four, you know, from Luke all the way to Luke 10, what do we see? We see, find Jesus like redefining purity in the way that he overcomes the barriers, right? He hangs out with the poor and the marginalized, right? The women and the children and the widows and the diseased and the demon-possessed, they were like nothing. They were like, you know, the bottom of the totem pole, but that's who he, came, he healed and that's who he restored. He even like shared a meal and listened to the stories of the sinners, right? They were the unclean tax collectors and the prostitutes and the adulterers. He even healed like a Roman slave, like the Romans were the enemy. And then it was like the Roman slave and slaves are like nothing. And when he told the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Who was the hero? The Good Samaritan. And Jews and Samaritans, they hated each other. But God's, you know, the Jesus' new uh, purity that he's redefining, there's no barriers. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. He's concerned about our hearts. And he took care of the impurities of our heart because 
He died on the cross. And he, the one who could change the rules, because he's, you know, God's son, he's changing the rules. And he doesn't judge us or test us like the Pharisees, but he empathizes and he loves with this selfless love. Selfless love. And he does this because he is concerned. His heart is concerned for us. <clears throat> so Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 tells us, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. So let us then approach the throne, God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So while the Pharisees judge and test, Jesus empathizes with us. He knows what it's like. He came. He humbled himself, right? He became vulnerable. We can humble himself and live life with us. He knows what it's like. He knows what we go through. He experienced it himself. He knows the pain and suffering. He's seen it. He's heard the stories. He's experienced it himself. He knows what we go through. He knows our temptations, and, and he knows our weaknesses. And it's in him that we find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And so what does that mean for us? Jesus is concerned with our heart. And he invites us to come to him no matter who you are and no matter what you've done. So what do you need? In what ways have the modern-day Pharisees like, taken away your key to knowledge? What is on your heart? What is weighing heavy on your heart this morning? <clears throat> Are you worried? Are you fearful? Ashamed? Guilty? Stressed? Jesus invites us to come. And not to be clean, because he's already taken care of that. But so that we can take care of, of, of the matters of our heart. So that we can have life. And our heart, it takes in so much. And so often we try to stuff the, the feelings or the weight of our heart down. And when we do that, you know, we lock ourselves out. And we lock ourselves from experiencing God's healing and his love for us. And so if you've noticed, I, I have two bowls of water. They have essential oils in it to kind of keep it clean. <laughs> because I wanted to have this visual. We were talking about clean hands. And, and then I didn't want to have everybody get sick because then it would have the opposite effect. <laughs> um, and water cleans, right? I mean, normally. But this practice is not a practice of, it's not a purity ritual. This is not what we're trying to do. It's not like, you know, we're going with the old system. These bowls are here to help us tend to the matters of our heart. These bowls are here to help us let go of the unhealthy thoughts and feelings that we're holding on to. Maybe 
And, and in your seats, so what we're going to do is in your seats, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to silently and with the Spirit's help, like just sit and just ask, like what, what is weighing heavy on my heart? What are those thoughts and feelings that, that I'm trying to press down? And try to be specific with it. Like, you know, you can say you're stressed, that's fine. But try and be specific with what is really stressing you out or what are you really anxious about. And, and um, we're going to do it. I'm not going to ask the worship team to come out now, but it, there'll be music playing. And so you can come forward, uh, come down the aisle. And I'm sorry, I know this is about how God cleans our heart, but I was really, like, trying to be clean. <laughs> so if you come forward, you could wash your hands before. <laughs> and then there's a basket for your trash. And then what you're going to do is you're going to come forward to this bowl. And, you know, because like, you've, you've named it, you know what's heavy on your heart, and you're just going to come, and you're just going to cup your hands. You'll be facing the opposite way. I'm just doing this for demonstration. But you're going to hold that whatever's, you know, that's heavy on your heart in your hands. And for me, this is going to sound weird. It's going to sound a little mushy, and my daughter might gross out. But it's going to sound weird. But to me, for me, I've been realizing how I've been holding my relationship with Paul, like, very close to my heart. And in some ways, he's like an idol and more important than God. And so I'm going to hold Paul <laughs> in the palm of my hand, my relationship with him. And I'm just going to, like, pray, God, give me the grace to trust you with my relationship with him. And so as I'm ready, I'm going to give me the grace, and I'm just going to submerge my hands, cut. And when I'm ready, I'm just going to let it go. And just trust God to handle it, because he can handle it. And then I'm going to take a napkin, <laughs> and then wipe my hand, and I could put it in the basket. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and play some music quietly. <clears throat> you know, coming forward is, um, is a bold step in the process of Jesus' healing and restoration. And emotional wounds especially take a long time to heal. And so we can expect to come to Jesus over and over again. And each time we do, we're going to find his love and his mercy and his grace. Because his heart is for us. And you know what? If you are holding on and you're like, I know this is keeping me from experiencing the fullness of life. I know this is keeping me from the fullness of your love and your kingdom. Then just hold on to it. Because even if you're not ready to let go, God's grace and his mercy can handle that. So you can come forward. You have the freedom to come forward. And you have the freedom to stay in your seat. There's no pressure. Because his heart is big. His grace is enough. His mercy is so great that he can handle anything that we have for him. Let's pray. <clears throat>